I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, my name's Stuart Miles and welcome to the Bokkenham Podcast. Last week, Microsoft was busy detailing Windows 11 and it's keeping the announcement pressure up with the launch of its Xbox Cloud Gaming Service, bringing Xbox Games Pass Games... It's a bit of a mouthful to a browser near you, be that on a computer, iPad, iPhone or Android device. Pocalint's Rick Henderson is here to discuss what it means for gamers and whether you should bother having a go. Meanwhile, I've been chatting to Ian McElwain from education tech company FutureLearn about the trends that are going to be shaping the way we and our children learn in the future. And Pocalint's Dan Grabham is here to tell us whether the Echo Dot Kids is something you should be getting for your children. But first, back to you, Rick. Tell us more about xCloud Games Xbox Claiming Cloud Cloud Gaming Xbox Service. Right. Well, yeah, the, uh, it's, it's a bit of a mouthful. It's, uh, <laughs> it, the full title is Cloud Gaming with Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. But yeah, you we'll see, I knew X- I had that down to a pat <laughs> when I said it. It used to be called uh, Project X Cloud, which is why an awful lot of people still call it X Cloud. But we kind of shorten it to Xbox Cloud Gaming for now. Mm. Um, basically, it's um, Xbox's free cloud gaming service, or at least free if you have an Xbox Game Pass Ultimate membership. And the biggest announcement recently is that they've expanded um, the amount of devices you can now use it on to iOS, which is a massive one. That is that is a sort of like a real groundbreaking moment. Also, you can now play it through a browser on a Chromebook or a, a, a PC or a Mac. And so there are a number of multiple devices now that you can play um, cloud gaming with Xbox Game Pass (laughs) Ultimate. (laughs) Okay, so um, you've obviously had a go. I've had a go. Uh, What do we think? What did you think? Um, To be honest, um, I've used used, uh, Game Pass Cloud Gaming for quite a while. I've, I've played it across... Um, other devices, Android device using a Razer Kishi, um, and uh, you could actually already download it onto a Chromebook using the Android app. So I've been playing it for a while, and it has worked perfectly. However, as soon as this announcement came out, it started not working so perfectly, mm. and um, and we were trying to figure out why. And I think it, there's been an awful lot of people obviously jumping on board for the first time, which means it's um, stressing the servers a hell of a lot more. And we were noticing some some problems with the uh, with the cloud streaming. Um, in fact, there was quite a bit of latency and quite a bit of uh, stuttering or lag on audio. Yeah, strangely. I noticed. That, I noticed when I. I mean, I think. <laughs> Okay, we're a little bit early adopters here in Pocket Lint, as you'd expect. And I think, you know, when suddenly nobody in the office is playing it and then probably half of the team jumped on to play it in various devices, um, you know, it kind of just shows you suddenly uptake on day one. Uh, I, I think I noticed personally that I was playing Forza Horizon 4 and the quality, the graphics were, were great. And, you know, I didn't notice that much lag actually when controlling the cars. Um, but the sound kept on cutting out quite a lot. And I think that was more 
frustrating than than actually sort of every so often you know th- there was a bit of lag I-, I suppose you know they're still saying this is in beta aren't they and so therefore yes that's kind of a sense of it probably is just that they didn't have enough servers but what does it tell us about how you know this is the first step wasn't it on microsoft's you know gaming everywhere kind of ideology and and, and what do we think of that ultimately it'll work um, it's an excellent idea. Um, Xbox has decided that it may not sell the most amount of consoles, but it will be the most prevalent gaming service you could possibly have. Uh, in fact, uh, the, the iOS is just a big, just another step in its evolution. Um, Xbox is planning to actually bring it bring it to all smart TVs. So you won't even need a, uh, a games console at all. And it's going to, um, it's currently in development of its own streaming device. So you can mm. just plug it into an, a, a TV that isn't so smart and play through that. So, um, and the other the other side to that is that uh, it now they've now made the entire system run on Xbox Series X hardware at the server level. Right. So, um, so all the games that you're playing are actually the Xbox Series X version of those games with the faster loading times, uh, better um, frame rates, and any other graphical improvements. So um, they're even planning on bringing it to Xbox One so that you can actually play Xbox Series X games that won't run on an Xbox One on your Xbox One. Well, that'd be cool. So essentially, it's a blanket policy of getting as many games to people as possible, and it's clearly working for them. It's a very different policy to, say, PlayStations, which is we have built consoles and we're re- we're going to give you the very best games that we can for those consoles. Xbox is saying we're building an entire ecosystem where you can play an Xbox game anywhere. Mm. Mm. That we- is a I mean, that's, it proposition. is a big difference, isn't it? I mean, it kind of puts it yeah. in line with uh, sort of a Netflix approach where it's just like you've got TV, just plug in the stick, add a controller, off you go. And I suppose they can benefit because they'll sell more Xbox controllers anyway. So that kind of helps from a hardware sales perspective as well, doesn't it? The other thing you have to consider is that um, a Netflix, uh, the Netflix proposition, you could buy a Netflix film on DVD for about a tenner, whereas the vast majority of the games on Xbox Game Pass and through Game Pass Cloud Gaming um, are 30 to 70 pounds each. And yet you're only playing paying ten pound ninety nine a month to play them. It's 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 baffling times. And how do we feel this is going to um going to affect Stadia, Google Stadia, Google's uh, streaming service? It's an interesting question. Personally, and this is only in a personal opinion, Stadia is actually a better, slightly better streaming technology. Certainly from our experiences we've had recently. Um, in you know, I immediately went on to Stadia to just check, and and it was running very smoothly, very little latency. It's very good um, streaming tech. Mm. The problem that Stadia has is it doesn't have the catalog. Xbox has got such an enormous catalog to draw from. It doesn't have the um, the branding. Everybody knows what Xbox is. Yeah, and most importantly, it doesn't have a subscription model. Not not in the same league as Game Pass. And that, for me, is the key. It's not how good your technology is or how good your controller is. It's whether or not your what the proposition offering is. And if you're saying to people, here are more than 200 games 
for ten pound ninety nine, irrespective of all of the other off, uh, all of the other benefits that Game Pass Ultimate gives you, that you can play on your iOS device or your smart TV for ten pound ninety nine a month. That is the true. We've been looking for it for a while, but that's the true Netflix of games. Still to come, Dan gives us his verdict on the Amazon Echo Dot kits. Alexa setup, uh, Echo setup as well. You know, it's it's become a lot better. You know, Amazon's Amazon setup processes across the board have become a lot better. I think actually they become better since they bought Ring. If there's one thing we've learned over the past eighteen months through the various global lockdowns is that the way we and our kids learn won't be the same ever again. A new report from online learning platform FutureLearn looks at several ways learning will change thanks to not only advances in technology, but from what we've had to endure more recently. FutureLearn, a social learning platform formed in December 2012 by the Open University, has over 15 million users worldwide, so it knows what it's talking about. Ian McElwain is the Director of Development and Partnerships at FutureLearn and join me to discuss what we can expect in the future, be that VR, AR, remote learning or something completely different. I started by asking what the key findings of the report actually were. The report overall features consumer data we commissioned YouGov and uh, combine that with a number of insights from experts all talking about the, the future of the, the learning industry, which include you know, increased worldwide desire to gain knowledge through social issues online, learning digitally, um, and then everything ranging from the, the future of technology, uh, when you think about things like virtual reality, augmented reality, how that plays a part, all the way through to um, women's trust of the online space as a, as a really feasible way to, to learn and have access to various types of, of education programs and people's um, trust in, in uh, learning generally and education as a way to help us think about and solve some of the, the world's biggest problems right now, whether that's to do with climate change and sustainability or to do with access to justice and equality or meeting skills gaps, which will be caused through automation and, and those types of topics. Now, from a tech perspective, how does that, did you find anything really interesting there of, of, of how tech will change the way that we, we learn in the future? Yeah, so absolutely. Everyone knows we are going through this you know, unplanned worldwide experiment right now in terms of using technology and going digital in so many more ways than we ever thought. And in lots of ways, we will never go back. So it's a, it's a mistake to think that you know, from a tech perspective, technology was never in the classroom and never in um, workplace learning. It absolutely was. It's just that the, the stage that we're in at the moment you know, is a real, has been a real catalyst. And we've seen people turning more and more to, to online learning and teachers and educators using technology to help them to solve problems. Just how do you coordinate people working from home, coordinate homework, projects, make sure that that's an interactive and enjoyable experience for, for students and learners, learners everywhere. And so the pace and adoption of those types of tools has just been incredible. Um, really specifically in the report, thinking further forward in terms of tech and, and education, we asked the respondents to, to rank a number of different technology innovations that they would expect to see in 
education or, or learning or hope to see, uh, you know, to do with virtual reality, augmented reality, uh, education on, on social media. Uh, and the, the, the real top ones that were coming back across the board, so regardless of, of generation, was virtual reality. And then more specific to the uh, Gen Z, augmented reality which I think is just uh, really interesting to see people's expectations. And this is in answer to the question of what do we expect to see in the future? The, fu- the, the truth is the future's already here and these are all be- already being made of, made use of. And do you think that appetite for VR and AR is, where is that being born from? Because we're kind of, you know, at the moment we're seeing, you know, VR has, has, has turned up, it's kind of it's got that catch moment you know where you kind of look at it and say well it's exciting for to showcase what's possible but then you find that people that are using it aren't necessarily using it regularly because you know it soon gathers dust mm-hmm. it's trying to find that sort of use case and ar you know there's lots of of people getting into ar but again we we haven't really seen any ar glasses so how do you see those you know transforming education and learning going forward yeah, I was in a, a classroom, obviously, uh, before before lockdown mm. a couple of years ago with some psychology students. And one of the, the student researchers in that classroom was, was running a, a project around use of not just virtual reality, but even you know, 3D photography, this type of technology, with this specific application of helping people to learn about health place, uh, sorry, uh, workplace health and safety, which you think, you know, kind of a, a, a dry topic and difficult to get through, but extremely important. And what they were finding in this, the, the research and the studies was that the, the immersion into a, a particular environment when learning about something like this is, it was really important for people's retention and, and picking up on those types of, of skills and learning. Now, Take the point in a way. This you can think about virtual reality, augmented reality as um, you know it's new and novel, and so maybe people were learning more effectively, more more quickly, and it was sticking because there's an element of the of the novelty to there. But absolutely, I think that to the extent that we can make the learning experience fun and immersive, then it's going to be more more effective. And then there's now, if you just play that forward out of the the realm of health and safety into somebody who's going who's learning about um, a nuclear power plant and they can be experiencing what they might be experiencing in a, in a real situation and and uh, through simulation then you know, it's, that's a that's an incredible learning experience there's also uh, um, an application a very special application here where you could imagine, people with autism, for example, being put in a in a safe space to practice social skills. So there's an incredible range of, of applications for these technologies. And um, educators, our education institutions, organizations are, are learning the art of how to get the most of these tools. I always think just generally the tools are not, you know, it's not technology for technology's sake. These are right. to, to enhance what the educators really bring in and and that's about the learning experience so they they bring the bring the tools and bring them in to be as effective as possible at the right at the right point now the 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 report itself talks about personalized learning and do you feel that feeds into into this experience that you'd be able to deliver through a vrar experience 
and personalization can mean a lot to to different people and particularly when we're talking about um, ed tech so there's a there's an idea of personalization where perhaps it's a, a recommendation made to you about what you should learn next or the format that you should learn because you know the, the um, algorithm has understood who you are and who people what people like you have learned next perhaps to you know advance in their in their career so there's there's that element and then there's personalization you know if you think about um you know, literally chatbots and you know learning how to interact with with somebody but you know with a with an ai back end that's, that's mm-hmm. learned how to make the the experience the right thing for for the person um so yeah absolutely the personalization is is uh the more it can be personalized, the better, but we have to be a bit clear about what do we mean by personalization. Now, one of the things that I've learned through my life so far is that there was an assumption that I would learn lots at school and then I would use those things that I'd learned at school or eventually university in my day-to-day life when it came to you know doing my job. 20 years plus later after leaving university, I probably use a fraction of the stuff that I learned at university today yeah. to do the role. And I think if you're a developer or a coder or something like that, it's probably zero amounts if yeah. you, you know, left. You, come, you know, I don't know many people that use their degrees still in their, in their day-to-day job. Yeah. How do you feel the future of learning comes to play when it feels that, you know, that classic phrase of every day is a school day? Yeah, yeah. well even those 20 or 25 years ago when when we were there it was still the case that people were not necessarily taking doing a degree and then automatically going and working in that in that field so even all that time ago for for you and I Stuart that wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. uh, you weren't necessarily set but today even more so i mean this the, the concept of a job for life is it's just like i can't say it's it's rapidly decreasing it's it's basically already gone yeah. And, and replacing that as this concept of um, having to be lifelong learners. So I think every day is a school day is, is a really nice way to really nice way to put it. But being even more specific, I mean, the, the shelf life of skills that I used in my job five years ago, you know, it changed really quickly, even within a similar discipline, within a, within, within a similar industry. I would be redundant if I wasn't learning all the time and then there's a there's a scale I mean, if you can imagine somebody who's working in um sorry customer facing type of a, an operation the tools that they use and the approaches that need to be taken and understanding of the you know the business they work on this is all um these are new skills that need to be acquired really quickly I and mean, we're talking like month on month year on year but then as you mentioned in in coding and technology in that digital space part of the job part of the responsibility is to really stay on on top of all of the the changes that are that are happening now that brings us to another like another point about every day is a school day and what what are the most important things for you to have to learn in terms of your skills now there are obviously the hard skills which are the you know the the kubernetes or whatever the latest technology or or programming code that you're you're learning mm. about but then there's also making sure that we are also developing our I call them soft skills or or human skills or critical skills which include 
how to learn, how to keep on top of all of this information, how to how to synthesize it, uh, how to be creative, how to communicate the things that you've learned and communicate in general in different ways. And so, yeah, absolutely. I think a job for life as a phrase has been absolutely replaced with lifelong learning. And if there was one thing that surprised you the most from the report that you did, what, what would that have been? Of the of online education. So this is specifically about online education, not, not education generally. But some of the, the um experts in the in the report were pointing to this idea of that online education as a as a as a space or a, a place for people to go doesn't set up um doesn't set up prejudices in the in advance. And so is a place where people can go and like bring their bring their beliefs openly and bring their bring themselves um yeah without without fear of any kind of bias and i suppose the final question i have is you know the last 12 months have proved that many children in, around the world have now learned the disciplines of an, an, an experience as you said that kind of wonderful experiment of of learning from home do you think that the future of learning is about being online and necessarily remote or do you think there is still a place for a traditional classroom and traditional place where you kind of meet together in groups of of people to learn yeah i absolutely think that there is a a place for the you know the more traditional bringing of people together and you know i've always thought of ed tech and technology generally as a augmentation or, or a, a tool to to help now will what we do in those spaces change whether that's the workplace or education i think i think yes um there's no doubt the classroom classroom has been changing anyway and even though the classroom is is shaped like it was from you know from hundreds of years ago what goes on in that classroom is 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 very different has been, has been changing anyway i think there's a real opportunity now now, now that children and students and lifelong learners have, have understood just how engaging online can be to to do different things with it, to use it as a as a uh, tool for um, all kinds of different learning experiences. But yeah, my kids just went back a couple of weeks ago, and to see them to see them coming together and interacting, it's I mean, it's really clear there's there's always going to be a place for for that face to face interaction as well. Previously available in the US, Amazon has now launched a UK version of the latest Echo Dot Kids. Why two years after the US launch? Well, that's because Amazon tells us there's lots of localization work that needed to take place. So was it worth the wait? And do we really need a voice-controlled organizer for our children? Dan, who's been using the device for some time, is here to give us his verdict. So Dan, does Alexa make sense for your children? Well, it's it's a, a partly it's a matter of personal preference, obviously, you know, we uh, you know alexa is still quite fully featured on these devices um they're they're restricted in some ways so you can't do things like call random contacts or you know you have to um, parents have to allow the contacts in there um there's no explicit lyrics in in music um for example on spotify apple music and amazon music so it's kind of a it's designed as a bit a bit more of a safe space but the 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 key thing is that Alexa has been you know further localized um, for the UK, mm-hmm. um, but the you know it does it is pretty pretty UK local anyway. But the 
it, it had gives children different answers for, for questions such as math questions or science questions, for example, sort of educational stuff that is, is a bit more explanatory than the adult version. So the, 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 the easy example is um, how many planets there are. Um, and for an adult... Oh, oh will, I know this one. I know this one. <laughs> for an adult, it will tell you the number. Um, right. And, but for Alexa, for kids, it will go into a bit more detail about which planets they are basically so and whether it's a dwarf planet or not you see that's uh, the one that always indeed, gets people out indeed yeah they, it's very it is specific it does say in our solar system so uh. um so yeah so there's there's various bits like that uh, on top of on top of um echo dot for kids there's a kids plus service which is basically the same um packaging of services that we've seen um, with the um, Fire Tablet and um, Echo, uh, sorry, not Echo, um, Kindle for kids. Um, and basically, so it's an extension of that. So there's audio books, um, there's premium skills from Disney, um, Number Blocks, Alpha Blocks, Harry Potter, um, and the Gruffalo and things like that. So there, there's sort of a, there's a service on top. There's a service with everything nowadays, I know. Um, and that that is free for a year, but then it would cost you $1.99 a month in the UK and $2.99 in the US. And in terms of setup and, and, and things like that from a using it point of view, it's just a simple straight in, plug it in, off you go. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Alexa setup, uh, Echo setup as well, you know, it's, it's become a lot better. You know, Amazon's, Amazon's setup processes across the board have become a lot better. I think actually they become better since they bought Ring um, because Ring setup was always fairly straightforward. Um, and now if you've got another Alexa device, it would auto detect it would auto detect the the new Echo anyway, but all your Wi-Fi settings are automatically transferred and all that kind of thing. It's a little confusing when you're sort of signing up for the kids stuff because you have to um, for for the the kids plus stuff because you have to sort of give your permission um, and you have to set up your child on uh, on your Amazon account um, and you know that that so there is a there is a certain element that you have to give give that data across, hmm. but it 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 does make sense. Um, you know, you can, you can fine tune everything that your kids are doing with this device um, using the Amazon parent dashboard, which is also what you would control other, you know, the Kindle and, and the, the fire tablet with, if you had a kid's version of that. Um, so you're able to sort of set a bedtime. So, um, you know, I've said it so my kids can't access Alexa after 8 PM, for example, um, you know, so 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 there's, there's things like that, and you can also see what they've been doing, and you can even see what they've said to Alexa. So you, you know that 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 side of it is pretty well covered. Uh, you know, you can obviously turn the microphone off as well um, as with any Echo device. So it's it's you know privacy is 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 is, is a key topic, but mm. you're as with every voice assistant, you're giving you're certainly giving some information away, and you know whether you're comfortable with that is is a is a issue of personal preference, really. Now these come in cute animal patterns, a panda and a tiger. They do. Which one does that? Are the kids happy with that? Does or can you just can you have it just plain? I mean, can you take an old Echo Dot and just turn it into a kids one, or or is it only do you have to have it looking like a tiger? Um, you can subscribe to you. You can subscribe to Kids Plus on another uh, on an on another Echo device. Um, you can't the the. Um, pattern on the outside of these is painted on there's no way of taking it off and i guess that's a bit of an issue that i've highlighted in my view because um you know these are the the age on these are three plus 
and sort wow. of yeah, I can I I can sort of see you know a, a lot of it's preschool, primary school stuff. But obviously, if you've got say an eight year old um, in two years time that's going to become a ten year old, they're not um, probably going to want one of the cute um, panda or tiger uh, things on their on their yeah because it's not it's kind of. It, they're cute, but they're kind of, they are very child cute, aren't they? In, in that sense of not like ja- Japanese anime cute. Yeah. Or, you know, it doesn't look like a funky little sushi that's cute and cuddly or whatever, or something like that. It is, you know, this is, uh, you know, a tiger. Yeah, definitely. I, I guess older kids would, you know, will probably be quite used to using Alexa anyway, if if you're an Alexa household. So, um, you know, they they might, and I guess they might have their own device already, but, um, you know, so, so it's, it's, uh, uh, this is a this is a solution for much younger kids. You know, the, the, it is interesting that it's taken you know some years for it to come out in the UK. Uh, Amazon, you know, as you as you said in your introduction, Amazon say that that is to do with the fact they've had to do so much localization. But um, I think you know that they they have clearly waited to 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 bring this out as well. And then the final question is: Do your kids like it? Use it? Love it? Or were they just a bit like? Oh. All right, thanks, Dad. Um, well, I, yeah, yeah. My 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 older kids really into um, really into asking Alexa for stuff anyway. Um, I guess you know if it, kids can don't necessarily have to know, uh, you know, specific specific things to ask. They can say something like Alexa, let's play, or Alexa, let's go, and you know it will give them suggestions as to what to do. So, um, and or Alexa, I'm bored. Um, so that the, it's designed so that, you know, it can it can suggest activities as well. But I mean, I found my kids defaulted back to those respond that those sort of utterances that I actually say, like asking for music or asking for radio stations, pretty, you know, fairly mundane stuff. Set timer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Set time. I'm sure that is the most used thing I've got on Echo Wall Clock as well. So that's you know which displays the time. Excellent, absolutely brilliant. Um, so yeah, that is definitely the most used thing. So yeah, I you know I found my kids defaulting back to those things rather than necessarily asking for those particular skills. But I can see I can see that over time, certainly the audio book side of stuff will become will become more interesting and uh, certainly my oldest is really really into reading at the moment and you know was, was really interested in that when i was showing it to him so yeah very much very much something that i think they will use go on, on an ongoing basis that's it for this week's show thanks for listening until next time pip pip ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.